The Midwife Crisis podcast will touch on sensitive topics regarding the human body, sexuality, pregnancy, and all aspects of women's health care and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello, I'm PR and that's Kate. Hi, and this is the Midwife Crisis Podcast Microsode, where we follow up on previous episodes, answer listener emails, and give you that little extra midwife love. I'll take it. Uh, today, we are going to be uh, responding to an email from our faithful listener. That's her self-proclaimed uh, title, which we will give her. I love it. Taylor. Love it. Yep. So thanks, lady. All right. She says, hi, Kate and PR. I am an aspiring midwife and love, love, love your podcast. Thank you so much. It was recommended through the Canadian Midwife Student Hopefuls Facebook group. Side nice. note. That is the coolest thing I have ever read. I read that and got so excited. That there's like a group. I know. That are talking about us. Why can't they have that kindness in the U.S.? Okay. I know. You know what? It's the, it's the Canadian thing. Those Canadians. Oh, they're so sweet. We love are. them. I mean, we love us in the U.S. too. But you Yeah, know. we do. All right. With all our faults. Back to Taylor. She says, becoming a midwife in Canada is very difficult. Ouch. I am in southern Ontario, and I have more opportunities in my location, but I cannot say the same for the rest of the country. The only way to become a midwife is to take your Bachelor of Health Sciences in midwifery. There are only seven programs across the country, that's, which is bananas because Canada is enormous, um, that way offer this program. Yeah, and each program only accepts 30 students. It's a rigorous process to get in and takes quite a bit of preparation. So thank you, Taylor, for telling us about that because if you recall, I said a little bit about how you become a midwife in Canada and it was not that. Yes, um, so we appreciate that truth-telling. Yes, that shows how we just messed up. <laughs> I did a quick Google search. She did. <laughs> um, I can vouch for her. So anyway, so Taylor would love to hear about how the two of us learned our schooling and credentials in the U.S. and the steps we took to prepare ourselves. She says, I'm also sure myself and other listeners would like to hear any advice for those wanting to enter the field. What strengths should a midwife have or gain? How can we cope with the demands of school? And due to the fact that the schools are scattered throughout the country, placements are also scattered and relocating is a big possibility for all programs. Is this something you guys also experienced? Thank you, Taylor. And so again, Taylor, amazing. Thank you so much for the thoughtful email, for all the info. Additionally, we just are super appreciative of the fact that we've got this group of midwife hopefuls listening to us. And geez, it's a lot of pressure, but hopefully we uh, were able to perform. This is um, fascinating to learn about how midwifery is, um, how midwives are produced in um, other countries because we, we don't know a lot about it. And um, we're actually, even in our own country, we're learning. We continue to learn because we have the information from, you know, the Internet, but um, it isn't always exactly honest. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I have, just to give you background on um, my education very quickly, I have a baccalaureate in Latin American history. Love and, it. And people say, what? That's crazy. <laughs> it is a little bit. After that, in terms of schooling, I went to, took some additional schooling in science courses. So I took a lot of science courses because I needed to prove 
to the graduate program that I could um, excel in the sciences. And so I did. And then I applied. Now, there's a 10-year gap between my baccalaureate and, and earning my master's. And three of those years were in grad school. Actually, I don't know if I knew that. What were you doing? What were you working? Uh, or what was your job at that time? I was um, an underwriter. Oh, cool. Yeah, a life and health health underwriter. So doing a lot of investigation for multi-million dollar cases. Whoa. So it was a lot of digging um, on their medical histories. And that's how I learned a lot about medicine. Oh, and, cool. Uh, because we would collect all of their medical statements from every physician they'd ever seen. When I say multi-million dollars, I'm like 5 million, 10 million, 35 million on single individuals. Whoa. So it's a lot. Private investigators following them around, giving me reports, their finances, getting all of that stuff, collecting that information. Interesting. Benefiting no one. <laughs> so I had to get out. So you were telling me about, I remember you said it doesn't help anyone. You weren't helping anyone. I wasn't really helping anyone. At the same time, I was um, I was volunteering in local clinics that took care of women in uh, local abortion clinics and women's health care clinics, GYN clinics, and that kind of thing, because that was what I was interested in. And that was how I sort of um, accomplished my community service while I was doing that work that made insurance companies rich. And so, yeah, I worked <laughs> on getting myself out of that and into this. And so that, that's the story of that. So I got the, went to grad school and did that for three years because I went to a program for non-nurse graduates. And it's um, pretty popular in these parts. You kind of accelerate your nursing piece for one year, and mm -hmm. then the last two years are spent doing graduate work and re research and graduate work, becoming a midwife. And culminating with a degree in midwifery and a master's of science in nursing with a specialty in midwifery. So that is what I did. I did not relocate. I particularly chose the program that I went to because my family is planted in this area and I needed support from them because I went back to school with children. And so that was really important. And it was a rigorous program yeah. and process. I mean, yeah. anyone who's done their bachelor's in nursing knows it's rigorous to do it over four years. So do it over to do it over one year is, I think, bananas. It but. is. And you have to do the same number of clinical hours as someone who is in a four year program. The clinical hours remain the same to sit for boards. So you're cramming a lot of stuff into a short amount of time and add to that, you know, children and a husband at the time and all kinds of other things. Your modeling career. And my modeling career, let's not forget that. <laughs> I recently saw, just a, a, I digress for one moment, I saw some pictures of myself during that time in my life, and my sister said to me, what were you wearing, and where did you get it from? And I said, it was some hand-me-downs from somebody's garbage bag. <laughs> so, because that's what I could afford at the time. Oh, man. So, anyways. Uh, side note, I gained, like, 30 pounds in midwifery school. Like I started day one in this like pair of sweatpants that were like kind of cute, but baggy. And by the end, they were like skin tight and cutting off my circulation. <laughs> they were, le they were like, leggings. They were leggings. They started as sweatpants. They ended as leggings. It was, 
It was dark times. <laughs> no, I I started at one week and ended much thinner because by the time I ended, I was breastfeeding yet again. <laughs> um, and that was when my family said, what kind of midwife are you? You can't even keep yourself from getting pregnant. So um, anyways, I'm a good one, I might add. It had nothing to do with that. But I wound up being thinner than when I started. So I think we've addressed this a little bit, but like truly, how did you cope with the demands? Because you had every demand, marriage, already had kids, kids on the way, you know, being older, having to do the entire kit and caboodle, like the nursing degree and the midwifery and all of that. And I'm just wondering, like, again, because it sounds so intense. How you how did you cope with that? Okay, first, I want to address the issue of being older. (laughs) I'm going to have to exert some violence on this chick. I just mean when you went back to school. Was, was, you said it was 10 years 29. after college. I was like, yeah, 29. Okay, I was 29 as well. Yeah. I was 29 years old when I, and I graduated. I was 31. And then that's 10 years after graduating from college when I was 21. Can you do math? No. sucker sorry i'm sorry don't be sorry (laughs) just be careful so stop with the older all right i'm older now which is why i have no hairs on my tongue i just tell you right off anyhow what was the question again how you coped how'd you cope of course how'd you do it girl i coped because i had um family here i had my my mom and my aunts who were like my other moms and my sister she would come over and do laundry and they all babysat and they cooked for us on weekends. And um, that basically that's how I coped. Yeah. That's how I coped. They, they held down the family part and, you know, my husband did a, a, all the activities with the kids and stuff like that. Not all of them, but I, I was also participating, but took the major portion of it on. And in addition to breadwinning, because in school, I went full time and I wasn't working. Yeah. Um, which is why I was wearing clothes out of a garbage bag. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I coped is uh, I, I studied every night from ten PM to two AM. One of my sons said to me, You we saw your books moving around the house, but we never saw you reading them. Mm. And that's why, because I studied every night from ten yeah. to I put them to bed, did everything, got everything ready, and then from ten to two every night, that's when I studied. And um, and on weekends, st- stayed up all night studying and doing things. And that's how I did it. I was going to have to stay up anyways to become a midwife, be working as a midwife. So what difference <laughs> would true. it make? Good practice. Yeah. yeah. It, it didn't make a difference to me. So, wow. um, yeah, that's that's my story kind of in a nutshell. How about you? Okay. So mine is quite different. So I, although I didn't uh, initially set off and and do my college career right away in uh, nursing, actually, fun fact about me, I went to school for marine biology and I made it exactly one semester until I realized, oh my God, I don't want to be in this crab lab and <laughs> and I want to like do something else with my life. Um, and I found that when I was at college, I was taking care of my friends a lot. Someone would drink too much or, you know, someone would have period cramps or whatever. And I was kind of like, their caregiver. And it was a role that came naturally to me. Both my parents are nurses and my sister was a nurse at the time as well. And so I, you know, called my parents and said, I think I want to be a nurse and, and was a nurse. So I didn't lose too much, um, 
during my initial college go. I became a, a nurse and then practiced as a nurse for many years. So for me, the prep was that I worked as a gynonc, a GYN oncology, and later an LMB nurse for a roughly eight years um, before I became uh, a midwife or decided to go back to midwifery school. Um, and for me, the driving force was really, I had always thought I was going to do it. And then I got really comfortable and I really liked those nursing hours. And I really liked that I had seniority at the hospital. Um, and then I finally was having my own kiddos. And I've said that before when I've talked about my birth experience with my um, oldest son and the whole infertility and getting pregnant. And it just felt like my midwives were what held me together. Um, one of my midwives is sitting here with me today. Um, she worked at my practice. And I remember Aww. one time I was came off a night shift and I had gained like 20 pounds and I walked in the office and I was like crying and she was very nice to me. So she was very nice to me for gaining way too much weight. But um, anyway, side note. Um, so I went back to school and I chose because I already had a toddler um, and I wasn't... There's many programs um, around where we live, including the one that PR went to, but I was interested in kind of doing a little bit more on my own. And so I used a distance learning program, the uh, oldest school of midwifery in the country, which is Frontier Nursing University. Um, I sort of always knew that when I became midwife, I wanted to go there. Their um, image is of Mary Breckenridge, uh, you know, the horseback midwife riding to a birth or to attend to someone. And I was just like, that is me, man. Fancied yourself. That's Being right. Being a horseback That's ride, a right. rider yourself. Yep. I love horses. So I was like, if I'm going to be a midwife, I'm going to be a mounted midwife. So uh, yeah, so I went to Frontier. I applied to Frontier um, with awesome letters of recommendation from, again, all of my midwives. And uh, distance learning worked really well for me. I also, I went part-time at work. So I did work, but mostly I taught childbirth education on the weekends. Um, and then I picked up, you know, a couple shifts here and there on the floor. Um, but the distance learning program for me was good because I could be flexible. I could create my own schedule for studying and for testing. Um, you know, during that time, my husband was traveling a little bit. If he was traveling for work, you know, I could change my schedule. I could work with having my kiddo and, um, you know, still going to school. So that worked really well for me. The challenges were um, first and foremost, isolation. Um, you know, it's hard enough to force yourself to kind of get it together and study. Uh, but when you don't have to sit in a classroom or a lecture hall and you're not sort of really face to face with these people, it can be really challenging. So um, that was tricky. Um, just again, that self-discipline piece, you know, I would be tired. Let's say my son was up all night, you know, nursing every hour or something. And I'd just be like, geez, I am so tired. I would love to take a nap right now, but I couldn't take a nap. I needed to use that time to, uh, you know, take a test or study or, you know, record a lecture or something. Um, technology fails were a reality. So if you, for example, were taking a test, which when we took tests, we had this, <laughs> this, weird camera that took our fingerprint and then it, the, the camera sort of hung like the way an apple hangs from a tree so that it could get 360 degree views of the room wow. um, and so people always think oh you went to school online like okay you know you must have so just like just had a book on your lip day, right, right, right exactly and um 
And no, I, I you couldn't cheat because you had to log in. There was someone proctoring you. Um, wow. And it was a serious thing. You had the 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 camera had a microphone, and you know it, it sort of saw everything in the room. So um, there was no cheating. But they had this rule that if anyone came in the room. That you would fail the test. And I remember one time my son came like running in and he was like, mommy, you know, like crying or something. And I'm literally just ignoring him. I'm just looking straight ahead at my computer, like <laughs> pretend like he's not there. Maybe they won't notice. And of course, uh, you know, my test got flagged and thankfully they totally understood. And I just got a warning. I did not get flunked from the test. Um, but things like that were a reality and making it challenging. Um, the, the final thing that was not challenging for me because I am blessed beyond... Uh, I can't even think of what, um, is finding clinical sites. So with a lot of these distance learning programs, you have to find your own clinical sites. And it's a lot, you know, as someone who takes students, it's a lot to trust someone you've never met with your patients. Yeah. And um, it's your license on the line. Um, and so I think that a lot of uh, students who go through distance learning, that's their biggest challenge is finding clinical sites that'll meet their criteria, that'll meet their hours, um, things like that. And, and truth be told, when I went back to school, I, you know, looked my midwives in the face and said, I'm going back to school and you have to precept me or I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, and of course, everyone was amazing and gracious and was like, heck yeah, like we'll take you. Um, but my main midwife at the time was uh, my friend Amanda and she moved like three months before my clinicals were supposed to start. She called me and said, I'm so sorry. My husband's getting relocated and we're going to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And this is it. And I freaked out. And thank goodness, my midwives still were there for me and came through and each and every midwife in the practice signed off on my papers so that I could sort of choose my schedule and get all my hours. And it was the biggest blessing. And I'm so thankful for it. So, um, so that's a little bit about my um, schooling experience. It was amazing. I, I am truly thankful for it. I loved my program. Um, and it worked really well for me. It wasn't the traditional program, um, but it, it worked. Right. And mine was more traditional. And um, so it came with the constraints. I had children and a partner and family. A lot of my classmates did not. And I will say that it's easier to, to do this before you have all those other people in your life. Not that I have regrets about that. And you have the freedom to move around. Uh, you can move to different locations depending on where the program is if you're going to do a traditional program. But the, doing a program like the Frontier program sounds really also exciting. And Well, it's me, too bad that Canada you, doesn't have a, that. She's a phenomenal <gasps> midwife. Oh, my God. Thank so you. So don't think that because <laughs> she went did a lot of her schooling online that that makes her in any way less competent as a, at her in her skills or anything else no she's awesome midwife thank you so much That's, i'm not just saying that because <laughs> otherwise i have to punch her in the face. <laughs> i have to tell you that um i really definitely had to prove myself you know people are very skeptical when you tell them that you did a community-based program where you know it was distance learning but um we have we have frontier has one of the highest pass rates for the midwifery boards, boards. yeah mm -hmm. and i felt incredibly prepared because guess what the board's you know, now are on the computer. And I was so good at taking computer mm -hmm. tests. I was like, this is easy. This is, I mean, this is cushy. You know, I was in an H&R block. So 
It was Very great. Good. But um, anyway, as far as coping uh, goes, I agree that I coped because of my village. I will say, um, first and foremost, when I said I want to go back to school and we're not going to have any money and it's going to be bananas, um, my husband was like, let's do it. And he was right there and really supported me. So that was amazing. Secondly, um, my mother-in-law, shout out to Barb. She like held that fort down. And I would be like, can you watch you know, my son Max here and here and here? And she'd just be like, yes, all the time. Um, and she also really supported me and was amazing. And my parents, we owned two houses at one point during all of this craziness because what? we sold our house and we thought we were going to close. And then the closing got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And we owned another house. And, um, and my parents like graciously were cutting checks, like helping us pay bills and, um, you know, couldn't have done it without them. And in all of this, and I I might've said this before, I was pregnant with my second. So when I was 38 weeks, uh, pregnant, I passed my boards and then a week and a day later I had a baby. So (laughs) it was really like two to the wire. Um, and I couldn't have done it truly without any of these people and, and my friends and my sister. I mean, everyone was just incredible, but it was, I leaned on everyone. And so I think having that core support, um, just as PR said, is ugh, just so important. So the moral of the story for me <laughs> is not to have all of this going on while you're trying to do something. I had a baby in the the middle of my last year yeah and so i went back when she was five days old because i refused to delay my graduation and and to add another semester on and so at five days you have no milk stored you have nothing yeah and so um my husband brought her to school so i could nurse her and uh in he brought her with her hat on backwards and her diaper <laughs> on backwards. I said to him, haven't you had any kids before? What's wrong with you? And we got through it. We, we got through it. And he had encouraged me from the beginning. Are you going to fish or cut bait? You're going to talk about going to school. Or you're going to go to school. Mm. Life is passing by while you're chatting about it. So yeah. I um, I'm grateful Good. I'm grateful to all of my family, my village, and to him for pushing me to to make those steps and then supporting me while I did it. Oh, yes. Cheers to them. Cheers cheers to supportive partners. Get you one. And if you don't want one, that's cool too. But don't stick with anyone who's giving you a hard time in school because they're not worth it. And again, if they're having a hard time with you being in school, they are not going to survive you being a midwife. Oh, absolutely not because this is, this is crucial. True, true. Yeah. So thank you, real. Taylor. Yeah, thank you so much. And good luck to you and all the Canadian uh, midwife hopefuls. We are here for you. And please keep those questions coming. And the North American midwife hopefuls. Yeah, add us varieties. add us to your group. All... Everyone, worldwide. That's We're here right. for you. Yes, we try to be. We try our best. So keep <laughs> reaching out and we'll grab your hand. That's right. Um, so to wrap it up, we're going to do a quick, what we're trying to instill in ourselves, self-care corner. So in case you've forgotten, this is our little segment where we hold one another accountable for self-care. We share, um, you know, what it's meant to us these past few weeks. And I want to know my good friend, PR, what do you got for me? Um, I'm in a book club and we meet probably every other month, more or less. And I met with my book club. That book club is more than just a book club. We meet, They go camping. We do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we we do go camping and we're pretty bougie about our camping. <laughs> we don't camp indoors. We camp in tents. They're but, glamping. But we're bougie about our foods and about, um, you know, we have flowers on the table and candles and tablecloths and stuff like that. But we're still in tents. We're sleeping on the ground. So it's real camping. Uh, that's They're very special to me. And um, we, there are six of us all together and we're very supportive of each other and events. So we talk about different events that are going on in our lives and we do discuss the book briefly. <laughs> Sometimes some of us haven't read the book and we excuse you for that and we just keep it moving. And it's just really a wonderful group to be in. They have no idea how um, I grateful I feel to be part of it. Aww. And that's what I, being with them is part of my self-care. I love that. That's so beautiful. And yeah, I can say that as your friend who is not part of your book club, I feel like I could be because I know everyone who's in it and how awesome they are and, you know, all the great ways that you guys support and take care of each other. So I love it. So I'm actually thankful to your book club too. <laughs> Unfortunately, to get in our book club, one of us has to die. So <laughs> you have to watch from the outside look in. It's fine. It's okay. Um, okay. So yeah. So what's your self-care? What did you do? Yeah. I, uh, so it's been a while since we've recorded. And in that time, it has been my absolute most favorite day of the year, which is Halloween. Uh, it was a few weeks back. Um, it's my absolute favorite day. It's been important to me since yes, I was a kid. <laughs> I love it. It's just have always. No idea. It's Halloween month. <laughs> it's not Halloween day. It actually starts, uh, I call it September. So that's like my beginning of my Halloween season. Um, and I just, I adore all things spooky. And on top of that, Halloween is also my anniversary, my wedding anniversary with my husband. Um, so for the entire month of September, October, um, you know, I like to wear my Halloween inspired clothing and accept accessories and just like watch all the spooky movies and you know having kids during Halloween is so amazing I love making all of their like Halloween dreams come true this year my um, oldest was the Grim Reaper and my youngest was a squirrel and it was <laughs> just so cute and amazing and fun and you know getting to trick-or-treat with them and then getting to celebrate uh, 10 years of marriage with my husband was Congrats. Thank you. It was really, it was really, really nice. And, um, you know, I took sort of a couple days off around Halloween and just really immersed myself into it. And it was wonderful. So, Good. yeah. So that was mine. Very nice. We're going to bring this microsode. We're gonna, going to conclude it now. And we'd <laughs> like to, we hope you've enjoyed it and gotten something out of it. And we'd like to thank baobab tree studios our friends family and all of you who make this podcast possible please be sure to subscribe on spotify itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast your favorite site like and follow us on facebook and instagram at the midwife crisis podcast or email us at midwife crisis podcast at gmail.com until next time get spooky and lavate las manos wash your hands